we have gone through a lot of powerful principles about vision leading up to really talking about some roadblocks, how you can develop, you know, and, and walk in vision so that you can see your purpose, all these things. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, in the Amplified Classic Version, it says, no redemptive revelation of God, which is what that word vision means in the Hebrew language. With, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. And as we've said before, this word perish means that they let go. They, it, 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 they loosen and they let go. Let go of what? Well, faith seizes hold of things. God has given you everything. How? By his grace. But we must receive through faith that which God has given us by his grace. But if you don't see it, right, you can't, you'll let go of it every time. When a little pressure comes, you'll just let go of things. And God wants you to walk on this earth in everything that he's provided for you, right? You are successful because you're born again. You're a child of God. You are to be above only and not beneath. You're not to know lack, right? What did Paul say? Listen, whether I'm in lack, whether I'm not, whether I'm weak, whether I'm strong, he goes into a whole bunch of things. I know now how to be in every, in every area of life. And what was that area, right? What was it? I can do all things through Christ. So in other words, who he was in Christ would eradicate any lack, any sickness, anything that he faced. I can do all things through Christ. You can't walk in that if you don't see it. It goes on to say, but he that keeps the law, or a New Testament believer would read it this way, he that keeps the word, happy is he. So we said this, God gave us his word to put vision in us. And remember, we said this is the game. This is, this is what we all deal with all the time. Satan is going to work very hard to put his vision in you so that you see life through his glasses so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. God He's wooing you. And Satan, Satan will drive you. He'll push you. He'll try to intimidate. He'll manipulate. He does all that. God doesn't do any of that. He will constantly be wooing you and leading you to his word, to put his word first place, to start meditating in his word so that the Holy Spirit can open it up so that you can see it and get a revelation of who he is so that now you can see God's specific plan for your life. We said this on Wednesday night, we're, we're doing a series on the renewing of the mind, which I would highly recommend, either I would encourage you to come, that, that investment in Wednesday nights will change your life. And, and, I, and that, that's not the complete statement. It will change your kids' lives. I have seen this ever since I was 18 years old. Parents, man, 
if you're just a Sunday Christian and you have little kids, most likely you're not, you don't have God. There's some things in your life. The hardest group of youth to reach was always those kids that grew up in a Christian home where their parents were one way at home and another way at church. Give me a kid that grew up in a whack situation and man, they could just lay hold of stuff. Kids that grew up looking at their parents going, there must not be anything to this God thing. So many times what I've seen is if kids, kids that are not in church, you know, like, I'm so thankful, man. My mom had me in church growing up, anytime it was open, you know? And, uh, but what I've seen is kids that are only in church on a Sunday, what happens is you don't notice it, but in middle school, they will start not really having the desire for God. Then they'll get in high school, and then normally what happens is they go to college and parents wonder, why are my kids not serving God? Now, I could give you 25 reasons why you're going to be too tired, right? It's not going to be convenient. So I would say this, I'm not your Holy Spirit. The Bible does not say it is written, you need to come to church on Wednesday. It does say some other things that are pretty strong about don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, that was written to us right now. You know, it says, as the manner of some is, especially as we see the day approaching. Well, guys, if you don't see the day approaching right now where Jesus is coming back, you're blind, completely blind. However, there's a lot of Christians that are walking in darkness because they're off their path right? Many of them think they're okay. But I'm telling you, if, if, you'll, if you'll put God first, if you'll commit to his local church, because that's the foundation, God will be able to move you through the different phases of ministry. If you're not a viable part of your local church, well, how did I get off on all this? Because I could feel people going, nah. people, right? But I, I got to say what's on my heart. If, if, you won't, if you won't do that, it's going to affect your life and your family, right? Husbands, men, if you don't take care of the sin habit in your life, the lack of hunger for God in your life, your kids will walk in that same bondage. So suck it up. Get in the word. Put God first. You won't be flawless. None of us are flawless. If you, if you think possibly that I was flawless as a father, my son's right back there in the sound booth. Now try to get him to throw me under the bus. You probably wouldn't be able to. But the reality of it is we make mistakes as parents, right? It's not about being flawless, but it's about putting God first. So be led by the Spirit of God, amen? And don't say no to him. So anyway, see, the reason why this is so important is you can never possess, remember how I said this? God has given us everything by his grace, but we must possess through faith what he's given us by his grace, right? 
It's impossible to possess something that you can't see. So the word of God will literally cause you to see that you're healed. It'll cause you to see yourself laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. So many times people go, man, I know that there's something that God has for me to do. I mean, I've watched this for decades, first of all, in my own life, but then in the lives of others. I know there's something that God wants me to do, but I just can't seem, nothing ever seems to work. And it's because people don't, they don't see it. They don't see that this incredible ministry that you're going to have outside the walls of the church, you can't see it because you won't usher or you won't help people get a cup of coffee or work in a welcome center or help kids. And you're thinking, what does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. So I want to encourage you as we talk about vision, if you're not seeing some stuff, you need to go to the Lord and go, okay, what am I, where am I missing it? And then just follow his lead, right? Don't come to church. Don't get involved because your pastor says this. Do it because the head of the church is leading you. In this environment, between now and the rapture of the church, I can tell you this, the enemy is going to work hard to try to build his vision in you through fear, through intimidation, through all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is moving powerfully, and if you'll just let him, he will, he will literally reveal things to you that will propel you through your walk in life. You guys okay? Yeah. All right. A governing principle. Let's talk about something real big. Jesus was the perfect example of a person who walked in vision, who walked by faith, right? He was a perfect example of how to be led by the Holy Spirit. The perfect example. So let's look at what he said, because this is a big piece in the subject of vision. A governing principle in the life of Jesus is that he was entirely and totally committed to the will of God. Completely committed. That was, and you're like, well, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus lived as a man anointed by God to give us the example how to live. He was entirely committed to the will of God, the plan and purpose that God had for his life. This is huge. Why do I say that? Because to become sensitive enough to follow the will of God, to know the voice of God, you must be totally committed, totally consecrated, and totally dedicated to God, to the will of God for your life. You have to be committed. We know what that is. Consecrated means that you place your life on the altar and present your body and your life a living sacrifice to God, holding nothing back for yourself. 
And I'm here to tell you, if you will make that decision. Now, now remember, you don't, know how, you don't have to know how to do that. Those words will kind of sound crazy in your mind. But if you'll make that decision, God will help you. He will help you consecrate your life to where you put your life, everything about your life on that altar, and you hold nothing back for yourself. That means I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will say whatever you want me to say, right? I'm going to follow your will for my life. Now, does that mean when you make that decision, you'll never make a mistake? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But if you make a quality decision and you follow it up by the action of filling your life with the word of God, the Holy Spirit will help you and you will experience life on a God level. You will realize that everything that you might have wanted to hold back for yourself is literally like dung compared to what he has for you. Because I'm telling you, you're created for this. You're not created to live your own life. You have the honor and the blessing of living life in God and with God. To do things on his level. That means whatever he has you put your hand to, he will bring it to maturity, but not natural maturity. I mean, he'll cause you to do a hundred times what you could do in the natural, right? Because all things are possible to him. It's what we're talking about is living an unlimited life. See, when you do this, when you consecrate your life to God, it puts you in a position to hear his voice. So many people are not hearing his voice. There's a whole bunch that are not hearing. There's a whole bunch because of pride. They think they're hearing his voice and then they get out there and they're doing stuff and it never works. It never gets off the ground. Man, I have known over the years some of the most talented, gifted, the grace of God is just dripping off of them. Just huge gifts, but because of pride, They've never, ever been able to walk in it and they live a frustrated life. God does not want that from you. In other words, there must be a total commitment to the will of God. You have to have that. Now, here's the cool thing. As you're sitting here today, every one of us, all of our spirits, down on the inside, whether you can sense it or not, are going, yes, I am all in with that. But if you've been feeding your flesh, you'll sit here and go, I, I want it, but I can't, right? Just start feeding. Don't beat yourself up. Satan loves shame. He loves guilt, right? Listen, as you walk with the Lord, man, you're always going to strive to do more. Satan's always going to sit on your shoulder telling you you're not enough, you're not doing enough, and all of that stuff is lies. The very word for spiritually, spiritual maturity is not perfection, it's not flawless, it, it literally means adjust and repair. 
But when you have the word in your heart as an anchor, if you start moving out of here in your flesh a little bit, the word will bring you back. It'll just, it's like an anchor. So John chapter 5, here's another example of Jesus. Let's, let me read this. Jesus' example is what we're talking about. John chapter 5, verse 19. Check this out. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, now that's very strong in the Greek, most assuredly, I say to you. In other words, he's like, guys, we, we've seen some things here, but I need you to know this. I need you to know something about these miracles that are happening, these people that are getting healed. Look at what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What? Jesus, you're the creator of the universe. But he unclothed himself, took upon himself the form of man, and on the earth he said, I of myself can do nothing. You know where guilt and shame and condemnation really come from? It's because you're trying to do something and it fails. So then you get all bummed out about it. You never get bummed out about stuff if you realize that of yourself you can do nothing. Now you're like, well, now wait a minute. You know, I'm good at this. Yeah, okay, but in your, if, you, if you do it in your own power, if you do just your own stuff, God calls that nothing. You can enjoy what you've accomplished in yourself. You'll enjoy, you can enjoy it. Now, it'll frustrate you your whole life because God has so much more for you. But you can look at it and go, oh, wow, I grad, I'm a college graduate. Oh, wow, I did this. I have this trophy. And then you'll, you'll enjoy it in your life and then you'll stand before the Lord at, you know, when all your works are judged, and, and if, you, if you're into that, look really quick, because that's the last you're ever going to see it. It's about to go up in flames. And then you will realize, wow, that was really nothing. Right? We're talking about Zoe life. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he hears the father say. Does it say that? It doesn't say here, does it? It says, but what he sees, we're talking about vision, what he sees the Father do. How did Jesus see the Father? Did he have some like little space age device <laughs> that he could pull up and see, oh man, my Father's doing this? No, 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 let me show you the space age device. It's right here. He meditated in scripture. And because of that, he could see what his father wanted to do every time. In the same way that you will see every moment of every day of your whole life what you are to do on the earth. The word is the lamp. The word is the light. In eternity, every, you know, we're, do you know this? We're not going to float around on clouds you know, we're just not going to just kind of hang out for all eternity. No, God's a God of purpose. He's got a purpose for you in eternity. And you know how you're going to see it? 
through the word. The spirit of God's gonna be on the inside of you and with you forever to show you, to bring revelation. So you might as well get used to this now, right? It says, but what he sees the father do for what things soever he does, these also doeth the son likewise. Wow. I will only do, this is, as the Father called Jesus, so Jesus is called us. So in other words, now I say, I will only do what I see Jesus do. Do you think you will ever see Jesus get into strife? No. So this is a big statement. The mere fact that you're making a decision for this is you're saying, I will not get into strife. Right? Now, if you ever fall in that, what are you going to do? You're going to bounce right back up, adjust back over, and you're just going to say, no. I, Father, I confess that. I'm never going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to trust you to help me. Jesus never got into strife. I'm never going to get into bitterness. I can't and do this. I'm never going to get in unforgiveness. That's not a, See, in other words, strife, bitterness, unforgiveness, these are not options in your life if Jesus is your Lord. Right? I'm not going to get into offense because this is not an option for me. Right? Why? Because God is not in any of these things, and I don't want to be in anything that he's not in. Does that make sense? Can we talk about this in church? This would be considered one of those anti-church growth sermons. <laughs> According to the world standards, but I'm here to tell you, this is an end-time sermon that people will run to because they're sick and they are tired of living in their flesh. They're tired of getting beat up. They're tired of living in fear. They're tired of living in defeat. And God is saying, come to me. This burden is light. It's easy. It's a rest. John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Wow. In other words, Jesus did not go to the cross to help you do your own thing. He, he didn't, right? You will find the greatest strength, the greatest grace, the greatest help, the greatest ability from heaven when you are fully committed to doing his will. It's all there. It's like you step into a whole new room. And we have trouble with that as Americans. You know, up until a couple years ago, you didn't tell an American to do anything. You know, now we're seeing more control and some things. We don't like it. But we got to be careful not to get into pride. The Holy Spirit will be your helper. He'll be your guide as you follow his plan for your life. He never expects you to follow something you can't see. Right? The Holy Spirit, though, will never help you be selfish. He'll never help you be self-centered. 
He won't feed pride. Why? Because he loves you too much. He knows that just, it, that messes you up, right? He'll never help you be self-willed, ever. Yeah, but I just want to do this. Okay. Then, then realize, according to the word of God, what you're going to strive and toil to do is nothing. Won't produce any fruit. Won't fulfill you in any way. John chapter 14, verse 10 says this. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Do you see the attitude of Jesus? He's talking about words and then he's talking about works. Do you see that? The words, wow, that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. In other words, all of Jesus' words were the works of the Father. So Jesus never lived in a realm of, well, it may happen, it may not. No, no, if the Father said it, it's done. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he's like, listen, Father, I thank you that you've always, you always hear me, but because of these guys, I'm praying so that they'll know. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Somebody said this, man, if he would have just said, come forth, everybody would have been raised. Well, that's true, and this is why that would be true, because he would hear the Father say, raise everybody from the dead. Otherwise, he, would have, he could have never said that, because he wouldn't. Do you see Jesus? He made decisions. He, he took out the options of his life, and he called this the very life of God the very essence of life that God has. So let's look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 39. It says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. When Jesus came face to face of the fullness of uh, revelation, the full revelation, he saw fully what he was going to have to do. He's like, man, Father, if there is any way, so he was real with his Father, if there is any way that you can redeem man without me being made sin, but nevertheless, if there's no other way and this is your will, I'm good with that right? Until you are in this place, it's going to be really difficult for you to honor the voice of God and the leading of God. It's going to be really difficult for you to know how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and that I could sense that frustration in people, but these, this has to be taught because man, Right now, the reason why the church is so weak in so many respects is it's like, I'm going to do my own thing. 
I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. And there's so much inner turmoil in Christians because on the inside, they know that that's not possible. They know on the inside to do that, I've got to let go and I'm out here on my own. And it's frustrating. I'm here to tell you, this, we all deal with this. Your flesh wants to do its own thing. All you have to do to be selfish or self-centered is nothing, right? But boy, if you'll give yourself to the will of God, which is giving yourself to the word of God, it will change you. And you'll be able to taste the Lord and see that he's good and you'll know that you're blessed because all your trust is in him. And though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 fall at your right hand, you know it will not come near you. All of these blessings. You know, I've, I think I've told this story before. I love this story about D.L. Moody. So all these pastors in Chicago were getting together and they were going to do this big evangelical event. And they're like, man, one pastor replied, you know, hey, we got to get D.L. Moody involved in this because he's a major, major pastor in this city. So we need him involved. And this one pastor replies, why do we need D.L. Moody? Does he have a monopoly on God? Right? Why do we need this guy? Does he have a monopoly on God? Another pastor responded, by, to his question by saying, no, but it's obvious by his life that God has a monopoly on him. I hope for all of us, man, we can walk and go, man, it is obvious. It is obvious by looking at his life, by looking at pastor's life, that God has a monopoly on him. That is my goal. That should be your goal. That goal will turn you on. It will open up things. I'm here to tell you today, guys, God, some of the things that God has for us as individuals, corporately as a church, are fantastic. I mean, there's people in this room that are to have large ministries. There's people in this room that are to have large companies. There's people in this room that are to do things that, that you've never dreamed of that. It says in Romans chapter 8, in verse 29, in verse 30, it says, For whom he did foreknow, who he knew beforehand, that's everybody, he also did predestinate. He also pre-planned and predetermined some things for them. And this is what is their plan. This is what the plan is for your life, that you are to be conformed, fashioned like unto the very image, the very resemblance, the very representation of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's plan for you is that you be fashioned into Jesus on this earth while you are alive. That you walk like him, that you talk like him, that you do greater works than he did. Man, that's what God's will is. That's the bar. 
and we could all walk it out and it's not too late for any of us it's not too late for any of us he called you before the foundation of the world wow because he knew you ahead of time he put a plan together before you were ever born then God planned for he put desires in you that were to be accomplished in your life wow this is God's plan for our lives God has predestined his children to be victorious to walk in victory to win over sin over trouble over persecution over anything that comes against you in life you are to be a world overcomer and this is the thing god desires to bring clarity to your walk with him he's the one when he turns up the light it brings clarity god leads his children god is never pleased with his children being confused in any way that doesn't please him he doesn't want that for you god wants you to know where you are going god god wants you to know who you're walking with why would i say that because god will never call you to do anything alone the desires that come up in your heart if they're from him it will never be for you only it'll always be together with and to bless others and don't worry about that you'll know as you walk in this stuff your life will be blessed beyond measure god wants you to know that your life is dedicated planned and committed to the purposes of god you're not an experiment god doesn't mess with you right a lot of people live their life like that right i've heard people say we had a guy in our church that played drums and guitar and sang years ago and and he he played in a in a band or in a yeah i guess you'd call it a band and they do gigs and stuff and with and all of them the rest of these guys were not christians and he would invite them to church and and the one guy would tell him man i can't come to church i'd burst into flames if i walked through the doors of a church that is an individual that does not know who God is in any way. Well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to party in hell with all my friends. Well, no, no, this is why we don't need to tell people. We need to show people what it means to know Jesus. So let's jump over Hebrews chapter 12. Is this helping you a little bit? These are some pieces that will help you if you grab hold of them. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It, we're going to read through verse 3. It says, look at, look at how it starts. Wherefore, seeing. Notice it does not say hearing. Right? Faith comes by hearing but when you study that out, when you hear the voice of God on the inside of you, you will see something. Always. Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. 
God wants you to see that you are not alone. That you are surrounded. Well, it just doesn't seem like anybody's serving God. Not true. It just seems like everybody's blowing it. Not true. There are a lot of people that are on fire for the Lord. Right? And, and the thing is, God wants you to see you're not alone. This is why he plants you in a church family. He wants you to see that you're not alone. Don't take that for granted. Right? It says here, when we see that, let us lay aside every weight. This word weight in the Greek language is every burden and every hindrance. Have you ever carried a burden and you think you're the only one? Satan's got you convinced you're the only one. Nobody else can relate to you because you're all alone. You're the only one that's really ever dealt with this and that's not true. Lay aside every burden, every hindrance. So in other words, weights are anything that hinders spiritual growth. Right? And I don't know what a weight could be. For one person, they have no problem in this area, but for another person, man, they just can't turn that TV on and watch stuff. How will you know what your weights are? The Holy Spirit will show you. You'll know. And you've got to lay them aside. And you're also to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. This word beset means, it literally means to press you on all sides so that you're entangled, so that escape is difficult. Lay aside the sin. Listen, if you have a problem looking at some things on your computer or on a device, and that is eating your lunch, get an accountability partner so that they, so that they can see what you're, what you're looking at. Right? And here's, let, let me help you. If you're a guy and you're married, your wife would be a great accountability partner. Oh, no, no, I gotta find a pastor. I gotta find a friend. Oh, stop playing games. You know how many men do that? And they have, I, I think there's a software you could put on your phone or on your tablets or on your computer that it will go to the other person that's your accountability partner, what you're looking at. Well, that's an easy solve. Just get another device. <laughs> I've dealt with people with affairs that all of a sudden they found, oh, they found one of those, what is it, like a track smartphone that their wife had, that was, she was using that to talk to the guy, right? Or a guy doing the same thing. No, no, don't play those games. Early on in our church, we were coming home from church, and, and I look at Jeanette and I go, hey, can you do me a favor? And she's like, sure. And I go, if, if my affections ever get pulled to any lady in our church, could I tell you? She looked at me and just smiled and goes, absolutely. Because <laughs> guess what? It's over. Right? That's how you lay them aside. You take away the option. Right? If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to the same bar you've been hanging out with. 
You can't do that. Does that make sense? See, you'll know what to do with these things. So lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin, and let us run with patience. Boy, that'll get your flesh going. Because when you lay this stuff aside, you just want to serve God with all of your heart. You're like out of control. I just want all of God. That's great. Just relax. Yeah, but pastor, my life is so messed up. I need to know everything today or else. No, no, no. Don't worry about that. Just you focus on what the Holy Spirit's having you focus on. He's got your back. Let us run with patience. This Greek word means endurance, but it also means single-mindedness. I, I run my race with endurance, and I run my race with a single-mindedness. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to get distracted this is a message for us today because boy do we have some distractions right it literally means this word patience means it's patience that grows under trial so the more you're pressed the more it grows the more endurance and single-mindedness you have it's a fruit of your spirit what, what patience will do is patience will come out of your spirit and it'll grab hold of your mind and help you keep your eyes on Jesus, keep his word in your heart, keep it coming out of your mouth until that thing that's pressing you falls. The more you're pressed, the stronger you get. That's patience. It's a supernatural fruit of the spirit. It's a spiritual force. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So many people are on a track. They're running a race and they're wondering why in the world, you know, why, why am I going through all this stuff? Well, it could possibly be that you're not on the right track. Right? God has this track for you, but you took a detour and you're running on a motocross track. And you run, you're running up this steep hill, toiling, 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 and then all of a sudden you step and it's an 80-foot drop because you're not supposed to run that race unless you're on a motocross motorcycle, right? And have a lot of experience. You're on the wrong track. So the Holy Spirit will make sure. How do I know? The Word will tell you where you are. The Word will tell you where to go. It says, and let us run the race that is set before us. There is a race that is set before you. On that race, your leaf is never to wither. On that race, you're to yield all of your fruit in your season. On that race, that race that is set before you, that everything you put your hand to is to be brought to maturity. That's our race. We run the race, so we get let go of the distractions, the sin, the weights. We run relying on the patience of God, right, to hold us. We, we do this, and now it's telling us what we look at, looking unto Jesus, you can't look unto your problem or your weakness or your past failures or your mistakes 
or the way you were raised or whatever, right? It doesn't say to look at that ever. It says looking unto Jesus. Why do we do that? Because he is the author. The Greek word means he's the initiator of our faith. And finisher, that Greek word means he is the developer and completer of our faith. In other words, faith comes by hearing his word. When you're born again, you're given a measure of his faith. He's the initiator, but he's also the developer. During, while you're walking by faith, your faith will get stronger. And he's the completer every time. Oh, my faith was completed in regards to what I'm facing. Right? The tumor's gone. The arthritis is gone. The disc is healed. The diabetes is gone. The cancer is gone. And then guess what happens? Now, the next thing that's coming into your life, he's going to be the completer there too. Right? He's the completer of our faith. Then it talks about him a little bit. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So that means, see, the Old Testament tells us that a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. So see, when Jesus had a 110-pound log carrying it up till Golgotha, he was talking. He was bleeding. Blood was probably going in his mouth. He's probably having to spew it out. He's weak. He's hurting. But there's a spiritual force on the inside of him. It's called the joy of the Lord that was his strength. So he's like, oh, Father, I'm so thankful. I'm going to redeem Tony. I'm going to redeem Torian. I'm going to redeem Elisa. I mean, for the joy that was set before him, that sin and the curse will be broke forever. I mean, he was talking the whole time. They lay him down on there, on the cross, and they're starting to put nails in his hands and his feet. Could you imagine? What's he doing? Is he just laying there? No, he's talking. Father, I thank you that I'm strong in you and in the power of your might. I'm doing this thing. No man's taking my life. Angels, you don't need to do anything. I'm going for this. Right? Satan, you're defeated. We have no idea in the midst of all of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. That word despised mean he tread underfoot the shame of all of our sin. So if Satan comes to you and says, man, shame on you. You say, no, no, no. My shame was put on him. And his, I was made his righteousness. So don't bring that shame, guilt, and condemnation to me. Because my Savior, my Redeemer, my Lord bore that for me. Right? And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. That word wearied and faint, it literally means sick and exhausted in your minds. In other words... If you don't lay aside the weights, if you don't lay aside the sin, if you don't walk with patience, 
fixing your eyes on Jesus, in your soulish realm, you're going to be sick. And, it's, and you're going to be exhausted. You know it's impossible to sleep and get true rest if you're exhausted in your soulish realm. And we take drugs to cover that up. But I'm telling you, God gives his beloved rest. And if you're resting on the inside, you'll be able to rest on the outside. So, purpose and vision. I said all that. That was kind of the preview. <laughs> but isn't the preview good? Normally, you just don't like the preview. I don't know about you, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the preview. So let's talk once again. Let's jump back now. We talked about a principle. Let's talk about purpose and vision again. Purpose is the intent for which God created you. God has a specific purpose for your life. Vision is seeing your purpose in your heart so that you can begin to imagine it and ultimately walk it out. To walk out God's purpose for your life, you have to begin to imagine it so that you can see it and then walk it out. Right? Purpose, in other words, is the source of your vision. Vision is a glimpse of the future that God has purposed for you. It will show you. Your vision, it literally comes out of God's purpose for your life. So here's the thing. Vision is not your private view of the future, but the view of your future that was inspired by God. Right? Oh, you could, you, know, you could go read secular books about vision, and there's some great principles that are right out of the Word of God, whether they know it or not. But the whole, the whole foundation of it is you need a vision to be successful. So find out what you want to do, and that's the problem. Find out what you want to do. But here, this is how close it is to the truth. Find out what the desires of your heart really are. That's God. Find out what you want to do. That's you. See how close that is? Well, how am I going to divide it? Oh, only one thing divides soul and spirit. It's the word of God. Only the word can show you your path. Do you know people, they, they spend their whole life getting this vision thing down. They have a purpose. They have a goal. They're imagining things. They become a billionaire in the earth. And everywhere they go, they are just respected and, and honored and, and all this stuff. And they have all this influence and all this power. And then in a vapor of time, they die and are lost forever. That's not what you want. You want to find God's plan and walk that out. Because his whole plan, you'll get to know him intimately and you'll do things according to his ability vision is what god wants us to contribute in building his kingdom on this earth in proverbs chapter 19 
in verse 21, it says this, many plans are in man's mind, but, the, it, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Boy, can you attest to that? Man, I've had so many plans, right? See, for me, I never thought I could really be a pastor because I was part of this church that went through this horrible church split. And I looked at this, the most gracious man I had ever known. They just crucified this guy. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't have been as good as him. I would have put somebody through a wall and been in prison for the rest of my life. So I can't be a pastor. So I'm trying corporate stuff and this and that, totally unfulfilled, messing up, doing all this stuff. When finally I realized, wait a minute, I could have all these plans in my own mind, but it's the Lord's purpose. He made me for a reason, right? I'm so glad I figured that out. But I can't tell you I figured that out on my own. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. Man, if you just, just stay with it, you'll get in the right place. The, the Holy Spirit, if you're willing and obedient, he will make sure you're eating the best the land can provide. Ecclesiastes 3.14. That might be the part of your Bible that sticks, the pages stick. But in Ecclesiastes 3.14. So go there and underline this scripture. And then when you're talking to people, people will think, wow, you're really spiritual. You even underlined a scripture in Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> it says this, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. Do you know everything that God purposes for you is eternal? Everything, it will last forever. Wow. So true vision is much more than mere interest. It's not just something that interests you. Vision is way beyond that. True vision will persist against all odds. When you see it, you will never give up on it. No matter how many times you think you fail, no matter what comes against you, you will just stick with it. True vision is completely unselfish. This is huge to know. True vision, the focus of the vision God has for you to see the purpose that God has for you, it's to help others. Everything about you down here is for others. It's not for you. True vision will always build others up. God does not have to take from one to give to another. Do you know how many people are in wrong churches because, man, I just can't leave because I know I'm probably one of the bigger givers and I'm so busy, and if I leave, what are they going to do? So this is the test. If you really want to know the truth of that statement, get a bucket of water this afternoon and stick your hand in there and the impression that you leave when you pull your hand out, that church will be okay. Right? At least has the potential to be okay if they'll just believe God. Because God will never take from one to give to another. We tell people that when we negotiate things with contractors. We're like, we're looking for a good deal, 
but we're not looking for a deal where you lose money. Because God doesn't have to take from one to give to another. When we first bought this building, you know, the, the president of American National Bank, he's like, well, hey, listen, you just, you know, you need about 75,000 more dollars to do this thing, but don't worry about it. You could get, you could get personal guarantees. People in your church that love your church, they could sign on this and personally guarantee this money. And, I, and I'm looking at him going, oh, no, 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 no. No, we'll never do that. And he's like, well, no, no, pastor, that's, what just, that's just what, we do business with a lot of churches, that's what churches do. This is your first building program. And I go, well, we will never do that. And he's like, well, why? And I said, because, because God never has to take away from one to give to another. Faith never takes away from one to give to another. As you give yourself away, it will bless you. Like right now, I can't even tell you how much I'm learning while I'm preaching this message. Amen. Right? It's just, it's just the way God is. True vision will always build other people up. True vision is completely filled with compassion. When you walk in vision, you will have such compassion for people. It's amazing. True vision, and this is why you must walk in it. True vision is the thing that brings complete fulfillment in life. See, true success is not what you accomplish in life. True success is this. Did you do what I've called you to do? That's success. True vision requires union with God, intimate fellowship with God. So in other words, vision. Let's close by saying a couple statements here. You as a child of God must know where you are going in order to get there and in order to take others there because your vision is tied with others. Vision tells us where we belong in the overall bigger vision that we're attached to. If you study vision secularly, they will tell you your personal vision has to be attached to something bigger. If somebody in this church has a bigger vision than what I have in, and the vision of this church is, they'll have to leave the church because their vision's bigger. It can't be attached to this. So this is why for us as Christians, we can walk in this because we attach our personal vision to the body of Christ, to the kingdom of God. And, and in doing that, the initial part of that is you're, you're attaching that vision to your local church. What is in my heart must fit with the overall vision. If you don't want to reach people and change lives, this is probably not the church for you. If, if you know, right? But here's the thing. God will show you who you're to hook up with, where you're to go, what you're to do, what you're to say, and it'll produce phenomenal things in your life.